I'm thankful that we can be here today and worship, and I know that you are too. It's good to be here, and we're so glad to see everyone. Just an announcement or two before we begin, if you will indulge me. First of all, I've been asked to announce that um, if you are planning to bring supplies to contribute to the uh, kids' bags for a rise, then please either bring those tonight or Wednesday night, and you can either give them to Courtney or you can leave them in the office, and she'll pick them up there, and thank you for that. And just one other thing, again, about Arise in general, I want to just, um, I guess, remind us the intention of the workshop is not to be um, a gathering of preachers in which we all can work very hard to make a great weekend for them. The intent of the Arise Spiritual Growth Workshop every year is for there to be something to benefit every single Christian. It is first and foremost something that is intended to be for the benefit of our congregation. And so this year obviously is a little bit different and the event is not as long as it normally is. We're going to do everything that we can to decrease uh, risk for COVID but uh, we're going to do our best, and I hope, uh, I want to echo the, um, the sentiments that have been given by Mark and others over the last few weeks. I hope that you will uh, come, at least try to come and be here for as much as you can, and just again be mindful that this is something that is supposed to be for all of us. There's supposed to be something for every single person to gain from this workshop every year, and that includes this one. So please keep it in your prayers, and if you are still on the fence about whether or not you'd like to come, I certainly hope that you will. Now then, what is spirituality and why is it important? This is what we've been talking about for, I guess, about the last month now. What does it mean to be spiritual and why does it even matter? First of all, spirituality is defined in this way. A spiritual person is one who lives a life devoted to God on his terms. A spiritual person is one who lives a life that is devoted to serving God, but that devotion and that service is defined by God. It is on his terms. That's what being spiritual is really all about. Second question, why is it important? Why does it matter? That can be answered in one passage, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Remember that Paul said to be spiritually minded, uh, excuse me, let me back up, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The reason why spirituality matters is because it is quite literally, according to Romans 8 and verse 6, a matter of life and death. There are only two kinds of people in this world. There are carnal people and there are spiritual people. There's nothing in between. So either we are living in a way that is carnal and worldly, and Paul says that the end result of that is death, or we're living in a way that is spiritual, that uh, seeks to serve and to praise and be devoted to God to the best of its ability on God's terms. And Paul says that the end result of that kind of life well, is life and peace. Spirituality is devotion to God on his terms, and the reason it matters is because it is a life 
or death kind of thing. Now, we have looked at this from three different vantage points so far. Number one, what we have seen is that spirituality begins with a spiritual birth. John chapter 3 and verse 5. Unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It is not possible to be a spiritual person if I am not a Christian. Being spiritual begins by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, a spiritual person is one who listens to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Remember in that context, the Apostle Paul contrasts the wisdom of man with the wisdom of God. And the problem in Corinth is that some of those Christians apparently were exalting human wisdom to a level that far, uh, far surpassed that of divine wisdom. In fact, they were looking down upon the Apostle Paul because he was speaking God's wisdom and not the wisdom or the thought processes of man, if you will. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, the spiritually minded person... This is the person who is going to listen to what God has to say. This is the person who is going to allow God to define the things of God in the way that God sees fit. Number three, the spiritual person submits to God. Spirituality begins with a spiritual birth. It involves listening to God, and then it involves, number three, submitting to God. That's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. Remember, the last time we were together, we looked at this context in which the Apostle Paul describes the spiritually minded person. He describes the one who lives his life in accordance with God's will, who allows Scripture to define and to direct his steps. That's what it means to be spiritual. Now, this morning, in our last lesson in this series, we want to look at one final context, and that's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 5 and chapter 6. I invite you to turn your Bibles there if you haven't already. We don't have time this morning to look in any great detail at the sections that we're going to cover because it's just too much. But I hope to be able to hit the high notes. And here's the reason, because in Galatians 5 and 6, we're going to finally see spirituality from a very practical way. Here's what's going on in the book of Galatians. Galatians is a book about freedom. And the reason that this is a book about freedom is because what Paul learned shortly after having worked in the regions of Galatia is that the Judaizing teachers came behind him and they began to turn people away from him and turn people away from the gospel. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to substitute the gospel of Jesus Christ with a false gospel, according to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. And that false gospel took uh, the form of portions of the law of Moses being combined with portions of the gospel of Christ. So the point that Paul makes in the doctrinal section of Galatians is basically this. If you listen to the Judaizing teachers and you go back and you adopt this false gospel, then what's going to happen is you're going to be in bondage. You're not going to be free anymore in Christ Jesus, but rather you're going to be enslaved and you're going to find yourself in a position in which you are unable to step away from the shackles of sin. So Galatians is a book about freedom. 
When we get to the practical section of the book of Galatians, that's found in chapter 5 and chapter 6, the Apostle Paul begins to, just like in his other epistles, he begins to lay out some practical points that have to do with this freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. He'll let them know that, listen, if you obey the gospel and if you turn away from the Judaizers, then here's what this will look like in a practical way manifested in daily living. You see, his point is that freedom from the law of Moses does not equal a life of no moral obligation. But rather, it equals a life that is lived by the direction of the Spirit, or a life that is spiritual. As we go through Galatians 5 and 6, you're going to see some language that is almost identical to what we saw last time in Romans chapter 8. Namely, Paul will talk about the difference between walking according to the flesh and walking according to the Spirit. And he will say, listen, if you are a Christian and you are following the gospel of Christ, you'll be walking or living according to the direction of the Spirit. And here are all of the things that are going to happen as a result of that. So our goal then, as we go through these sections briefly, is to step back and take a self-survey. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. So what I should do then is I should look at the main points of the sections of Galatians 5 and 6 as they define what it means to be a spiritual person and ask myself if these kinds of things are being produced in my own life. Now let's look at these different sections in Galatians 5 and 6. First of all, I want you to look at Galatians 5 verses 13 to 15. Being spiritual means, or a spiritually minded or a spiritual person, however you'd like to say it, it involves loving service. It involves loving service. Look at Galatians chapter 5, excuse me, verses 13 to 15. Paul says the following. He says, um, for you, brethren, have been called the liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Notice some things in these passages. Number one, notice that there is a paradox here. There is a paradox. Look at Galatians 5 and verse 13. Look at the first phrase of the passage. Listen to what he says. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. That's freedom only, he says. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity through the flesh, but through love do what? Serve. The paradox is that Christ has set us free from the power and the dominance of sin, and yet that freedom pushes us to be willing servants to Christ or of Christ. So the paradox is freedom and yet service. Look at verse 15. There's also a problem here. The problem is what Paul describes as biting and devouring one another. The word or the terminology that he uses, biting and devouring, is terminology that would be used to describe animals. He's literally saying, do not become like animals who bite at and who gnaw at one another, who eventually kill each other by, uh, wi- uh, by uh, carefully and slowly uh, uh, biting away at one another. 
Paul says, you have been free, verse 13, but use your freedom as a means of sacrificial service instead of using your freedom as a means of biting and devouring and clawing and scratching each other's eyes out. Now look at the verse that's in between it. Verse 14, this is the solution. The solution is loving service. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45 that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2 and verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2 is a chapter that is all about humble service. So in the churches of Galatia, apparently there is a problem or was a problem with brethren who were fighting with each other. Brethren who were biting at each other and clawing at each other and scratching each other's eyeballs out. Constant bickering, constant complaining, constant murmuring. This is a death sentence for a, for a congregation of God's people. And so Paul says a truly spiritual person, someone who is living their lives by the direction of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is a person who is going to humble themselves, is going to look for opportunities to serve Christ and to serve his brethren. So the test of true spirituality is loving service. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. Am I a servant? Can I sing? Make me a servant. Lord, make me like you, for you are a servant. Lord, make me one too. Can I look in the mirror of God's word as it describes uh, what a servant truly is? One like Jesus who washed the feet of his disciples in John chapter 13. One who puts the needs of the kingdom ahead of its own, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Am I a humble servant in the way that God wants me to serve? And is that service motivated by love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. A spiritual person is one who is a loving servant. Number next. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. It's the longest section we'll look at today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. A spiritual person is one who walks in the Spirit. Here's where we find the language that is similar to what we saw in Romans chapter 8 a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago. And let's just go ahead and read these passages together. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, lusts of the, fle- for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But... If you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand that just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, he says. Now, taking a step back and looking at these passages from a sort of a bird's-eye view, 
Notice that there are two contrasting lifestyles that are mentioned here. We've seen them already, again, in Romans chapter 8. Paul talks about the flesh and he talks about the spirit. And remember that the one who lives according to or walks according to the flesh, that designates a lifestyle that is oriented to the things of the world. Someone who is fleshly is someone whose entire being is controlled by the lusts and by the desires of the flesh. Things like pleasure and things like greed and things like sensuality and all of the things in this world that tempt us and allure us, a fleshly person is going to allow those things to control them. But then there's the person whose life is directed by or is lived in accordance with the Spirit. And this is a person or a lifestyle that is oriented to and is determined by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This means that the law is our compass or it is our guide and so we live by its direction. Remember that to walk in the Spirit is to live by the governing principle and the controlling power of the Spirit of life. It is to submit ourselves to the Spirit's law and to allow our thinking to be governed by Scripture. So, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, we have loving service. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, we have walking in the Spirit or living in accordance with the Spirit's instruction, allowing His Word to guide us. And what will that do? Well, it's going to, it's going to be a matter of produce. The thing about fruit is that everyone produces it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 33 that uh, you'll know the tree by its fruit. Jesus answered the question in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16 about how to identify a wolf in sheep's clothing by saying, you will know them by their what? You will know them by their fruits. But the thing about fruit that that you have to remember is that that fruit is visible. If you go to HEB and you walk into the produce section and you start looking at various items of fruit, apples and pears and peaches and plums and oranges and whatever else, you're going to be able to pick those things up. You can hold that fruit in your hand and you can inspect it to determine whether or not it is good. Listen, every single human being on this planet produces fruit of one kind or another. It's just like there's only two kinds of people in the world, either carnal or spiritual people. There's nothing in between. The same follows with fruit production. We're either producing good fruit or we're producing bad fruit, but we're all producing fruit. And that fruit can be seen. And that fruit can be inspected. And the reason is because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus identifies the difference between the two. And he does it right here in this context. You have the works of the flesh, sexual sins, Galatians 5 and verse number 19. A refusal to worship God, Galatians 5 and verse number 20. Social sins, if you will, Galatians 5, verse 20 and 21. And even revelry or drunken parties, Galatians chapter 5 and the last part of verse 21. This is the kind of fruit that is produced by living a life in accordance with the flesh. But then in Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, verses, um, uh, 22 and 23, we have the produce of the Spirit. Here's what's going to be identified or here's what's going to be evident in my life if I am really a spiritual person. There's love. That's agape love, sacrificial love. 
The kind of love that always puts the best interest of its object at the forefront of its concerns. There's joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory as Peter describes it in 1 Peter chapter 1. It is that great feeling of contentment that that abides within us regardless of what the circumstances around us might be. Then there's peace. The Bible says that we ought to be at peace with our fellow man. The Bible says that we ought to be at peace with everyone as much as is possible, Romans chapter 12. But the Bible says we ought to be, excuse me, be at peace with God. And the Bible even says we ought to be at peace with ourselves. It's an internal peace. It's an emotional peace, if you will. Uh, an intellectual peace. A spiritual peace. Then there's patience. The ability to bear under the ability to deal with the difficulties and the ups and the downs of life without allowing ourselves to spin out of control. There's kindness, being full of generosity or sympathy or affection and goodwill toward others. There's goodness, which could be said or defined as kindness in action. There's faithfulness, which has to do with being dependable. It's not just being faithful to God, but it's being, being dependable. People are able to depend upon you. Gentleness, it's meekness, power under control. It's the opposite of anger. And in conjunction with that is self-control, the ability to keep ourselves from losing our temper and flying off the handle. So we put all of these things together, and the Bible gives us a picture of what spirituality really is all about. Again, we're doing a self-inventory. How do I know if I'm a spiritual person? How do I know if I'm really serving God in a way that's acceptable? Well, first, Galatians 5, 13 to 15, am I practicing loving service? Second, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24, do I see the works of the flesh evident in my life or the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, and self-control. Are those things evident in my life? That's the mark of truly being a spiritual person. Look at the next section. Galatians chapter 5, verses 25 through chapter 6 and verse 5. Galatians 5, 25 through chapter 6 and verse 5. A spiritual person is one who cares for his brethren. Paul says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Where have we seen this before? Galatians 5, 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware. Galatians 5, 26 says, Do not become conceited or arrogant, and do not be about the business of provoking one another to do wrong or envying one another. But instead, look, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Question, how does Paul define the spiritual person? Go back and look at the previous section, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, through chapter 5 and verse 24. That's the spiritual person. You who are spiritual, he says, you restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each shall bear his own load. There are three important words in these verses that I want you to notice. 
The first is the word provoke or provoking. And the word literally means, it it is used, I should say, in uh, other Greek literature outside of the Bible as a word that means to challenge somebody to a fight or a competition. We have brethren, apparently, in Galatia who are literally challenging one another to fight, challenging one another to a competition of some kind of uh, sort or degree. Then there's the word envy or envying, which means to be bitter at another one's success and to rejoice in their failure. These are the things that are connected with the works of the flesh, aren't they? Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. These are the kinds of things that are evident in a person who is fleshly, a person who enjoys causing problems within the congregation, a person who enjoys a good competition, a person who makes everything about themselves, a person who finds themselves being bitter when someone else within the body of Christ has some level of success, a person who, God forbid, rejoices in the failure of their brethren. That's a fleshly person. A spiritual person, on the other hand, does this. Here's the third word. It's the word restore or restoring. It might interest you to note that this word is the same word that is used in Ezra chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 in the Greek translation of the Old Testament to define rebuilding the walls. It is also used in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 21 to describe mending or repairing the nets, the fishing nets. So what Paul is saying in Galatians 6 and verse number 1 is that the spiritual person is someone who does not rejoice in the problems of their brethren, but rather is someone who gets about the business of rebuilding and repairing and restoring and mending their brethren whenever they find themselves struggling spiritually. James 5, verse 19 and 20, James said that uh, whoever uh, uh, brings a soul back from sin saves a soul from death. Whoever restores a brother, a brother, James says, saves a soul from death and hides a multitude of sins. The true test of real, humble, loving service, the true test of real spirituality ought to be Galatians 6 verse 1. Whenever I see a brother struggling, I don't make it worse. I don't add problems on top of the problems that are already there. But rather, I do everything that I can out of care and consideration to try and restore their spiritual health. Last section, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through verse 10. Spirituality is defined in this context by humble service, loving service. It is defined by the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our life. It is defined or seen in our level of care for one another. And it is also seen in our desire to do good. Galatians 6, verse 6 through 10 says this, Let him who is taught in the word share in in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And he says, Let us not... Uh, Grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I want you to look close at verse 6. This sets the stage for the section. 
When Paul says, let him who is taught with, uh, let, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches, what he is talking about is meeting physical needs. He's talking about taking of our financial abilities, if you will, and using those things in order to meet the physical needs of others. In verse number 6, he's talking about teachers in particular. But then in verse number 9 and in verse number 10, he says, look, I'm not talking about just teachers. I'm talking about everyone, all people, and especially those who are of the household of faith. So when Paul says sowing, when Paul talks about sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit, he is then talking about, uh, or he is describing something that has to do with how we choose to use our material possessions within its immediate context. Of course, it has a broader context as well, but that's the idea that he has in mind there. So here's the lesson then, here's the point. One marker of spirituality is generosity. One marker of being a truly spiritual person, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. As Paul told Timothy to remind those who are rich in this world's goods not to trust in uncertain riches, but rather what? Trust in God and also be ready to distribute, be ready to give, be ready to help people, be ready to use the blessings that God has given to bless others. So spirituality, the spiritual person, according to Galatians 6, verse 6 through 10, is the person who is generous, is the person who tries to help and meet the physical needs of others who need those needs to be met. What does it mean to be spiritual? Why is spirituality important? We've looked at a number of passages over the last several weeks. We've not exhausted the study, but uh, hopefully we've at least answered the question to some degree. Being spiritual is about serving God on his terms. It's about allowing God to define what true Christianity and service is all about. Allowing God to define what spirituality is all about. And then seeking to follow those instructions to the very best of our ability. It's about listening to God in what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's about submitting to what God says, Romans chapter 8. And not arguing with it, but rather applying it to our lives. And it is seen in so many ways, some of those mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. It is seen in our loving service. It is seen in the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives. It is seen in our desire to care for and help meet the spiritual needs of our brethren. And it is even seen in our generosity and in how we choose to use the material goods that God has given us. These are the things that Paul describes that defines spirituality. So the only question that's left then to ask this morning is whether or not you are truly, and I am truly, a spiritual person. Am I truly practicing spiritual, uh, New Testament Christianity rather in my life as God defines it? Well, if I've not yet become a Christian, then the answer to that question has to be no. Because remember that spirituality begins with a spiritual birth, according to John 3 and verse 5. So maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you're wondering, how can I become a Christian? I want to be a spiritually minded person. I want to be a spiritual person who offers up spiritual sacrifices to God. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. How do I do it? The Bible says you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John 8 and verse 24. 
The Bible says that you have to repent of your sins, Acts 3 and verse 19. That you have to confess your faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. And that you've got to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. This morning, if you're a Christian, and as you take a step back and you look at Galatians 5 and 6, and you look at your, uh, examine, I should say, your own life in light of what we've learned from Galatians 5 and 6, and you find some areas in which you're falling short, can we pray for you? Can we encourage you in some way? Can we help you? Can we express our care, Galatians 6 verse 1, for you by trying to help you be the person that God would have you to be? It would be our honor and privilege to do it. We're going to sing the invitation song now, and so if there's any need, we invite you to come and let it be known while we stand and sing together.